question, those of you that are in the dating world, do you feel like it is complicated? Is our relationships just feeling complicated? Does it feel like there aren't any more rules anymore to follow when it comes to dating? I'll see heads shaking all over the place. Like, how do we actually do this? Well, there's a story found in Genesis chapter 24. It is the longest, uh, it's the longest uh, uh, not story in chapter in this book. Thank you. It's the longest chapter in the book of Genesis. And it's kind of crazy because I realized that dating has changed quite a bit from the 5th and 6th century BC, okay? But this is what I love about the scriptures is that so much, I mean, I'm reading this all week studying and I'm realizing, oh my gosh, like this is so important. The scriptures are so inspired for us today, amen? And so I want us to glean a lot from this story in Genesis chapter 24. We're going to pick up uh, in the first verse, it says this, Abraham was now very old, the Lord had blessed him in every way. He said to the senior servant in his household, the one in charge of all that he had, put your hand under my thigh. Kind of weird. I want you to swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you will not get a wife for my son from the daughters of Canaanites, among whom I am living, but you will go to my country and by your own relatives and get a wife for my son, Isaac. The servant asked him, what if the woman is unwilling to come back with me to this land? Shall I then take your son back to the country you came from? We're going to skip to verse 8. If the woman is unwilling to come back with you, then you will be released from this oath of mine. Only do not take my son back there. So the servant put his hand under the thigh of his master Abraham and swore an oath to him concerning this matter. Verse 10, then the servant left, taking with him 10 of his master's camels loaded with all kinds of good things from his master. He set out uh, for Aram Nahum and made him away to the town of Nahor. He had the camels kneel down near the well outside the town, and it was toward evening, the time when the woman go, women go out to draw water. So this is a crazy story. Abraham has said, Isaac, or, a servant, go find my son Isaac a wife. And so what does he do? He's like, okay, here we go. I mean, this guy has the best job in the world. He's a matchmaker. That's pretty much what Abraham set him out to do. And uh, so he goes out, and this is what I want us to catch because we're going to refer to this again in a second. But the servant actually, he stops, and he says, oh, God please make this a successful journey because I do not want to disappoint Father Abraham over here, okay? And so he's like, God, I will know. And he puts him, he's pretty specific. He says, I will know that the woman you want me to have marry Isaac will be the woman who when we sit down at this well in this water, when I ask for a glass of water, she'll give me a glass of water and she'll give water to all of these 10 camels. This was a very specific prayer. And so he gets to his destination, he's at the water, he lets these camels rest. We pick up in verse 16, Rebecca, this beautiful woman, she comes out and she comes next to the water. Rebecca was a beautiful virgin, no man, man had ever slept with her. Uh, and she went down to the spring to fill her jar and came back up. In verse 17 it says this, the servant hurried to meet her and said, please give me a little water from your jar. Drink, my Lord, she said, and quickly lowered the jar to her hands and gave him a drink. After she had given him a drink, she said, I'll draw water for your camels too until they have had enough to drink. So she quickly emptied her jar into the trough, ran back to the well to draw more water and drew enough for all the camels. Without saying a word, the man watched her closely to learn whether or not the Lord had made his, his journey successful. This is a crazy story. I mean, wouldn't it just be nice if dating were this easy? 
right? I mean, instead of Tinder and dating apps, all you had to do back then was win a girl's heart with camels. Yeah. You know? Uh, you know, some of you should feel encouraged because you thought you were in the desert of dating. Camels, that, this is a joke. This is a joke. Uh, humps only meant one thing back then. There it is. Camels, camels. You guys, you guys need to get your minds out of the gutter. Now, let's talk for a second. Let's talk for a second about Rebecca. Rebecca was this beautiful woman who loved God, and she comes out, and she's kind of like the whole package, okay, you guys? Like, she comes out, and uh, she's, just, she's just got it going on. And I grew up on a farm, and as a little kid, we literally used to swim in the cow trough in our farm, okay? So, like, I get Rebecca and, like, this kind of work that she did outside, okay? With, well, well, with sort of uh, giving camels water. I didn't do that, but she did. But did you know that a thirsty camel can drink up to 30 gallons of water at one time? And so if there's 10 camels, that is 300 gallons of water. And so if Rebecca was a strong person, she probably could carry about five gallons of water each time, right? And so uh, five gallons of water, 300 gallons divided by five is 60 trips of water, people. This woman, now the scriptures actually refer to this well not being the kind of well where you put a, have a rope and you just hoist the, you put the water, the bucket down and then you hoist it back up, right? It wasn't that kind of a well. It was the kind of well where you actually had to take your bucket, you had to walk down steps, you had to fill your bucket, walk back up, and she did this 60 times. To not only give this guy, a stranger, a drink of water, but to feed, to drink, to give his camels all this water as well. And the servant realized, oh my gosh. This is the woman that I had been praying for. This is the answer to my very specific prayer. And, you know, if the story goes on, if you read the scripture, the story goes on that this was the right woman. They go back. They talk to her family. Rebecca says, I'll go. I'll marry Isaac. They get married. They live happily ever after. You could read the whole story uh, in the book of Genesis. I mean, these two were prominent people in the scriptures, right? Isaac and Rebecca. And this is kind of crazy because I'm like, wow, it just seems so simple. And dating today feels way more complicated. I remember the day. I remember the day when Pastor Pradeepan and I changed our Facebook profile from it's complicated to dating. And it felt amazing to tell the whole world that we were dating. And we did what you, what you do back then. I don't know. Maybe you still do this today. But we did a photo shoot because we had to have the best couple profile picture, okay? And so you guys wanna see some of these profile pictures, okay? We were babies. We were just babies back then, Oh, There's a feet, feet! Everybody wants to see the couple feet. There's that picture, too. This was clearly Pradeepan's idea. Uh, and so we took this, <laughs> we took this, these pictures to put on our profile. And uh, I realized, I was telling Pradeepan, I was like, oh my gosh, honey, even the landscape of dating from when we were dating, which wasn't that long ago, okay, we're not that old, uh, has changed quite a bit. I mean, it's changed so much that it's really kind of confusing. Our culture has made it really confusing, to be really honest. I mean, some of us, we don't even realize that we're dating this person until they change their status, and we just hope it's us. We hope they meant us when they changed it to dating. Some of us were just like, well, I'm hanging out with this person, but I don't know if we're hanging out or if we're hanging out. It's just a little bit, like, I don't know. Like, you, we just, 
We're just hanging out right now. You know, some of you, you meet somebody online, you love their online personality, they seem like the dream, and then you meet up at a coffee shop, and that's not who you thought it was. That's a little bit weird. You know, now I'm not knocking online dating. We have some beautiful couples here at Kalos Church who met online, and it's a great way to meet people. There's some of us that we're, we're too picky, you know? And some of us, we're just not picky enough, and you need to be more picky, you know? Our standards for a good guy and a good girl come from shows, TV shows, like Love is Blind and The Bachelor. You know, Love is Blind is it's entertaining, I'll tell you that, okay? But this is a situation where a guy proposes to a girl through a wall that he's never met before, and she says yes! What is going on? This is not Love is Blind, this is the blind leading the blind in dating, okay? This is what's happening. And if we take just a deeper look, we realize that our culture is bringing a lot of complication and a lot of confusing to dating. And for those of us that are followers of Jesus, it's really, really difficult to know how to engage in this world. And if we go even deeper, we realize that we become intimacy junkies. We love the beginnings of relationships. I see people go from one relationship to the next to the next to the next, looking for something lasting but just becoming intimacy junkies. We're giving ourselves so quickly away, emotionally and physically. And sadly, sadly, some of us have given what we can't get back. And it's been very painful, and it's very, been very difficult. Some of you may be here in this room and, and you're, you're in pain. And you feel kind of hopeless, you feel a little bit brokenhearted, maybe from a past relationship or even feeling like, is dating even something that I can really do and enter into anymore? You know, whether you realize it or not, you are dating with a set of principles that you're operating from. And my question to us today is, are the principles in which we're operating from godly and biblical principles? Or are they, we just sort of like, does what culture, we just do what culture has said to do. So we're just kind of following along. You know, we have to be intentional. Pastor Pradeepan and I, we don't want to give you a list of rules and regulations in this, in this relationship series. But what we do want to do, like most of what we do, is we want to say, you can operate within biblical principles in your life and in your dating life. And I want to give you those today. I actually have a three key biblical principles that I feel like from Genesis chapter 24 that we can operate in. There is hope being able to be followers of Jesus to, uh, to date well. I call them the three C's. Everybody say the three C's. The three C's is this. This is how we date. Invite Christ, invite clarity, and invite community. And so we're going to look at this a little bit deeper. And like I said, those of you that are married, I realized, oh my gosh, we have got to make sure that this is going on in our marriages as well. Amen? So invite Christ. If I was going to say this point in a different way, this is how I would say it. We need to enter into dating relationships prayerfully. We need to invite God into the process. of When is the last time when you, that you dated someone that you actually invited God into the process? You invited him into your decision-making. You invited him into the, the whole thing. Married couples, when's the last time? You're wondering why you're growing apart from each other. When's the last time you invited Christ into your marriage and into your relationship? Uh, I, I really believe that God wants us to do this. The point of dating is to evaluate. Listen. The point of dating is to evaluate if we should spend the rest of our lives with the person that we're thinking about or dating or considering to be with. That's the point. We see in Genesis, uh, we see in Genesis when God put Adam and Eve together, he has us pair off and live our lives together forever, right? 
And so the point is to evaluate, is this the person that I should be with or not, or that I should marry? And listen, I don't know about you, but this is a lot of pressure to put on someone to figure out for the rest of their lives. And you need help, and I have good news for you today. You don't have to do it alone. You don't have to figure that out and make that whole evaluation process. It is not just up to you. You can have the Spirit of God a part of this part of your life. And I'm telling you, I would suggest that you don't do it any other way. So I love this in the scripture. I think the reason why Rebecca, I'll just tell you the end of the story. Okay, spoiler alert. Rebecca, she actually says, okay, I'll go marry Isaac. But you know why I think she was comfortable and confident about it? It's because the whole thing was bathed in prayer. Abraham had been praying. Her parents had probably been praying. The servant prayed. Look, look at verse 12. He literally prayed before he met her. He said this, Lord God of my master Abraham, make me successful today and show kindness to my master Abraham. See, I am standing beside this spring and the daughters of the townspeople are coming out to draw water. May it be that when I say to a young woman, please let down your jar that I may have a drink. And she says, drink and I'll water her camels too. Let her, let her be the one you have chosen for your servant Isaac. By this, I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. You can pray about it. Some of you are like, I really need a sign like that. I really need to know if this is the right person that I am with or that I should marry or I should continue on in this relationship or not. You know, some of you, I believe, are you're in a relationship. You've been in it for a really long time, but you're dealing with a lot of anxiety. You're wavering. You're not sure if you should stay in this relationship or not. Most of you is just in it because you just don't want to start over again. You kind of like each other enough. Is that enough? And so you're just kind of like in this relationship. But to be honest, you're struggling. I talk to so many young people who are like, I have anxiety. I have depression. I don't know what's going on. But the whole time, there's just this lack of security in the relationship that they're in. And they're constant, constantly sharing their heart with this person. And so there's a lot of anxiety. You know, I think dating just can be an anxious process. We feel like we have to put our best foot forward. We feel like we have to win someone over. Can you imagine what it would be like if you went on a date with a guy or a girl and you could actually hear what they're really thinking in, on the inside? Let's watch this video. You don't edit your photos. You do. Doing my job. Oh, I'm ordering something that makes me sound feminine yet strong. Hmm. Um... Ordering something I memorized years ago to make a good first impression. Call back to a conversation we had online. Oh, a uh, quick comment to let you know I'm on board. Standard question about your life. Ah, uh, generic answer, trying to hide my crazy. Mm -hmm. um, thing that worked with other guys. Um, things that worked with other girls. <laughs> oh, thing that worked with other guys. Thing that some girls actually like. Mm. Controversial jokes test the waters. <laughs> Negative reaction. <laughs> Shutting this down. Being nice to the wait staff. Not noted. Awkward silence. Talking about the menu. To avoid silence? And ongoing conversations, conversations about, about our actual, actual lives. lives. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> Isn't it awkward? 
Lord. Can you imagine what it would be like to really know what is going on in their mind? I think dating can bring so much anxiety. Does he like me? Do I like her? Am I acting too desperate? Should I text her back? Did I give enough time between texts? It's so complicated, right? Like we don't know what steps to take and it's crazy. And let's be real. Some of you know, I did this when I was a teenager. Some of you know that you should not get into a relationship with this guy or this girl because they're a bad guy and a bad girl for you. You know, you're like Taylor Swift. I knew you were trouble when you walked in. <laughs> then don't date that person. They're trouble. Don't do that. Taylor Swift, she figured it out. I tell you what. Listen, it is going to be very difficult for you to find a forever partner if you don't invite Jesus into the process. Amen. I'm telling you, it is more. It is hard to do that. And God wants to be a part of this part of your life. I see this all the time. People compartmentalize where they want God to be Lord of their life. I want God to be Lord of my life on church on Sundays, but the rest of the week and in my dating relationship, I am Lord of my life. I know what's better. I'm telling you, I'm watching people all over just heartbreak after heartbreak after heartbreak because they're not allowing Jesus to be Lord of their life in their dating and in their getting together and even in their marriages. If you want God to help your love life, don't exclude him from your love life. How are you going to have and find love if you're excluding love itself? None of us want to be in a shallower relationship where it just feels like we're not really sure where we stand all the time. We're not really, it feels like we just constantly have to prove ourselves. We don't want that. What we want and the love that we're looking for is the love that we get even from Christ, the example of Christ. And we want that in the significant other that we are going to be with or that we want to be with. John 15, 13, what does this love look like? Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. I am so glad out of the guys that I dated, I waited for a guy that I could say this is true about. The guy who would say, I understand because I know Christ myself what unconditional love is. I can bring security. I can be uh, for you and cheer you on. We can have a healthy I'm so glad I waited for a guy that I could say this about. I love this quote. Many Many pray for the right partner, but cease to pray for the right union, that they be one as Jesus and the Father are one, and so experience the full measure of his joy in the relationship. I remember Pastor Pradeepan and I were living in South Korea for a year while we were dating. We had separate apartments. I was in my apartment. And we kind of came to this crossroads in our relationship where we were trying to decide, are we going to go further or are we going to end it? You know, remember one of the, some of you are like, yes, I remember that those days. I don't miss those days. And we were in that time. And I remember literally kneeling down on my floor and crying out to God, I need to know. Is this the guy? Like, do I go further with this guy or is this, is this the end? Because I actually, I wanted God's will for myself because what I didn't want was a horrible marriage. I was like, God, I need you to tell me and show me. And I'm telling you, I'm going to tell you here a little bit more later. But God revealed to me. He showed me. He guided me along the way. And the same can be true for you. Invite Christ into your relationship. You don't have to fail over and over and over again in a relationship. Some of you are tired and you're exhausted and you feel hopeless that dating is never going to happen for you. But I'm telling you, invite Christ into your heart. Invite him into the process and God will guide you. Amen? Amen. So after you've invited Christ into your dating relationship or dating process, invite clarity. Invite clarity. Are you just dating to date? Some of you need to have a clarifying conversation with yourself. Are you really 
spending time evaluating if this is the person you should be with for the rest of your life, or are you just having fun at the expense of yourself and the other person? So you've got to have clarity. Here's the other part of clarity. We need to initiate clarity in our relationships. Uh, Jefferson Bethke says this, dating with no intent to marry is like going to the grocery store with no money. You either leave unhappy or take something that isn't yours. So you need to decide what is your motive. And, and initiating with clarity is key. I don't know about you, but I don't think there's anything worse than not knowing where you stand with the person that you like or that you think likes you back. It's so confusing. It's so difficult. It is the worst. Back in the day, we used to call these clarifying conversations DTRs, define the relationship. Anybody had those? We had those. We had a few of those. Now, listen, Pastor Pradeep and I are going to tell you this most awkward conversation we ever had in our entire life still this, to this day. kind of makes my skin crawl thinking about it. But we were not dating yet. We really liked each other. We had been flirting for months. And, I mean, we just, we really, you know, it's like one of those times when, like, we just would walk in a room and, like, it didn't feel like anyone else was in the room. Just him or just me, you know? We were just that, you know, we liked each other. We could tell. But this guy would not make a move. And so I'm sitting here, and I'm like, I like him. It seems like he likes me. I mean, I mean, really, like, this has gone on for months, okay? And finally, I'm like, I need clarity, and I'm going to get clarity. And so I was like, I don't want to spend time liking a guy that doesn't like me back, so I'm going to figure this out. So I'll never forget, we are in Colorado Springs. We're in my car outside of a Starbucks parking lot, and it was freezing outside. We get in the car. We're warming up our hands. I remember every day. Girls remember the details. And I was warming my hands uh, 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 with, the, with the, the vents, with the warm air, and I finally, we're sitting there, and I finally got the courage, you guys, to ask him this question. And I look at him, and I say, hey, man, I don't really want this to be weird or anything, but I just need, I just need clarity. I was like, do you like me? And he's warming his hands. And I'll never forget. He looks at me and he goes, uh, like a girlfriend? Like, do I like you like a girlfriend? I was like, are you going to make me answer this? Yeah. Yeah, like a girlfriend, like a boyfriend, you know? And uh, then he looks at me and he says, with more pausing, long pausing, awkward pausing, I want to die right now. And he looks at me and he says, no. Oh, no. And I was like, I, I immediately, I'm not, I don't like awkward silence. Okay, so I'm like, it's all right. It's okay, like, let's just not ruin this. Like, it's fine, don't worry about it. It's, you know, totally fine. I'm just, like, ready to move on. Like, get out of my car, I want to go home, you know? And I mean, like, I, to be honest, I was, like, totally crushed. I was like, oh, my gosh, how did I for months think that this guy liked me? I, mean, I can't believe how off I was. And so I go home, you guys, I, my heart was so broken. I called my sister, I sobbed for, like, three hours. I was like, it's over, it's nothing. I don't know, I must have been making this up the whole time. And then, um... The next day, I literally, I didn't go to work. I was like, I'm done. I made a vision board for my life. I was like, I'm leaving Colorado Springs. I'm not spending another minute liking this guy who doesn't like me back, but he led me on all these months, right? And so I'm just like kind of heartbroken, but wait for it, people, before you just start hating on Pradeep, and this is what happened. Um, so two weeks later, so I'm like ready. I'm like moving on with my life. Okay, and for two weeks, he keeps calling me and texting me and asking me if I want to hang out. I'm like, no, I'm trying to get freaking over you. And so he just keeps pulling me in. And, and, and for two weeks, two weeks later, he like kind of tricks me into dressing up and doing this photo shoot that we were going to do with friends. Well, it turns out that he had been planning this extravagant date 
to ask me to be his girlfriend. He took me to six different locations all around Colorado Springs where we had these really special moments as friends. And at every location, there was a rose and a letter. And the letter was expressing his love for me and how he cared about me, how he'd been pursuing me all these months and all this time, you know? And I, I just want you to know, I was like, I, I, to this day, to this day, so he says to me, he just says, he says, you jumped the gun. I wanted to say yes to you in the car. It hurt me too, to say no to you. You know, he's like, I wanted to, but you jumped the gun. And two weeks later, I was gonna ask you in this most wonderful way. And to this day, you guys, our friend group is still split on this. Some of them think that he made the right choice and others of them are like, he's horrible. How could he lie? How many of you think Brittany even made the right choice by lying to me? Okay, a little bit more than first. How many of you, how many of you are like, that's terrible. He could have just explained himself. Still more, still more people. I feel really loved and supported right now. So clarity, clarity is kindness. Have you ever heard that? Bringing clarity is kindness. You know that when uh, the servant told Rebecca, hey, I am here, he was very clear. I am here to see if, if God has you to be the wife for my master's son, Isaac. And Rebecca, I want to tell you this whole time, Rebecca was not confused about what was going on. No one was being uh, muddy or water. It was just, it was not, it was very clear. And Rebecca knew exactly what was going on. You see, our culture celebrates ambiguity in relationships. Our culture loves to stay in toxic holding patterns. You know why? Because we get a little bit freaked out and we don't want the responsibility of the, the commitment that comes, the, the responsibility that comes with commitment when we actually commit to somebody. So what do we do? We stay in these ambiguous places. Let's not clarify anything. We're just together. We stay muddy. We just, we just don't, and, and to be honest, most people, most young people come to me, they just don't even talk about it. They just don't even, I just say, are you with that? I don't know. We spent a lot of time together. You know, and, and, and I just realized that what's end up happening is that we enmesh our lives together so long because we're in this constant state of holding that, that it actually becomes toxic. And it's something that we keep giving our hearts and giving our physical life and giving away our emotions to someone. And because we don't want to have to deal with clarity, we don't have to deal with what it could be or what it isn't, we just stay in this holding pattern. And I have talked to so many people who have found themselves in anxiety and depression in their life, and they can't figure out why. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that there's no clarity. Their hearts are just open and exposed, and there's just been no actual security brought to their relationship. And ambiguity produces anxiety. Guys, when you say to a girl, hey, let's hang out, we don't know what that means. And we need to know what that means because we need to know what to wear. So you need to be clear, right? This is another thing that happens. This happens a lot in church. Okay, some of you are going to feel real called out. I'm not going to point at you. But some of you are like, you know what, this guy or this girl, they just keep messaging me. They just keep texting me. I don't know if they really like me. So you know what I'm doing? I'm just going to cut them off. I'm just going to ghost them. I'm not going to talk to them at church. I'm not going to make eye contact. I'm just going to make sure they get the picture, right? And I see this happen all the time. Listen, can I give you some advice? Guys, listen, if you're going to keep texting a girl would you just, or, or messaging her, would you be clear and stop just being creepy? Girls, stop giving hints. And if you're not sure if you're giving hints to this guy, ask a friend. Talk to somebody. But don't just ghost each other. Don't just assume something's going on. Bring clarity. 
You don't have to know what's going to happen. You don't have to know if you're going to marry this person or not. But you can say, hey, I would love to get to know you a little bit more. Can I call you? Would it be okay if I continue? Guys, we like that. Okay? We like clarity. So I encourage you to be clear. I had this friend. I'm not kidding you. This, this girl, she was my friend. And she was hanging out with this guy at, for a long time. And she just kept saying, oh, we're friends, we're friends. Well, clearly, this, this guy would literally fly from a different country to come see her. And, 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 and we were like, uh, doesn't really seem like he just thinks that you guys are friends. And she's like, no. I, I said, did you make it really clear? She's like, yeah, I made it really clear. And I said, okay, well, then why does it still seem like he likes you? And so she's like, I don't know. I said, give me your phone. And I look at her phone. And everything that she says to this guy is really sweet. And it has a little heart emoji behind it. And then it has a little kissy face emoji, not just a generic kissy face, the one with the little heart at the end, okay? And I was like, no wonder this guy still thinks you like him. You don't, this is not clear, okay? Like if you told me that it's clear, he would not have a clue, okay? So watch your emojis, okay? Like that's one of the best pieces of advice I could give some of you, okay? And I want to I say this, too, about just the constant distress, I think, that we're living in, in this ambiguity. And, and I'm, I'm not judging, but I'm just going to say this. Sex will cloud the process of evaluation. It will make the waters murky. It will make it more difficult. I'm just saying. It makes the evaluation process more complicated. It's so intimate. You're sharing so much of yourself in that way. It's difficult. This is one of the, the pieces of advice I give to couples. This is the question I ask. Does your physical relationship line up with your commitment level? This is a great question to ask in your dating relationships. Dating is not a status to sit in, but a process to move through. It's not just a rest stop that you stay in for years and years and years. God wants us eventually to get together and marry one another. There, we, our hearts long for permanence. Our hearts long for security. So staying in this ambiguous place, of course it's causing anxiety. Of course it's call, causing you to not sleep at night because you weren't designed to live in this place of ambiguity with this person. God wants you to have security. He wants you to have confidence in what you're doing. So I encourage you. Some of you, it's just costing you to live this way. Don't settle. Don't settle. You know, um, after Pradeepin took me on this extravagant date, he was very clear. And, you know, he did not want what happened before to happen again. And he was very clear. He said, I want you to know, Amrita, these are my intentions for you. I want to see if we're compatible. I, I just want to see. You know, that's what dating is all about. And I loved it because he wasn't, like, proposing. He wasn't sure yet. But he just said, I want you to know that these are my intentions. I'm not just dating today. I want to see. And at the end of the day, if we're together, awesome. If we break up, that's also awesome. That's also something that maybe God wants for us. So I encourage you, invite Christ into your dating relationship. Invite clarity into your relationship. And lastly, invite community. You know the first thing that Rebecca did? She ran back to her family. It says this in verse 28. The young woman ran and told her mother's household about these things. Now, Rebecca had a brother named Laban, and he hurried out to the man at the spring. And I love this because her brother was literally like, who is this guy? Who's telling you? Who's telling you to go marry some guy we don't know? So he goes out, and he has a conversation with him. Because we were never meant to make this big of a decision in our life in isolation. We are supposed to make it with our friends and with our family near to us. Do you know why you need others' uh, perspective, people who know you? Do you know why you need their input into your relationship? Because they're not infatuated with this person. So they're seeing things from a different angle. They're seeing things that you don't see because you got love goggles on, right? 
And so it's important that people tell you this. I was in a relationship that was so toxic and so terrible for a long time, for many years in, in college. And this guy, just he just knew all the right things to say. And I fell for it. And then I started realizing, wait a minute, he's never met my, he won't come hang out with my family. He won't come hang out with my friends. It is a big red flag. And I see this happen a lot. It's a big red flag when you start dating someone and they pull you away from your church community and from the people who know you best. That is one of the biggest things that you need to stay around the people who know you best when you start dating someone and let them speak into your life. Is there anybody in your life that you will allow speak into your dating relationship even if you don't like what they say? Do you have anyone in your life? Because I'm telling you, God wants and has built the body of Christ and the community for a reason. We can't make this decision on our own. Uh, I dated a guy, uh, or I, I dated a guy, like I said, once that I was just sort of infatuated with, and it was just not real life, you guys. I want to read this quote to you. Um, it says this, to the young woman, I say, this is the moment in your life when he who is wooing you will be at his kindest. And if you do not seek kindness in the man you are dating, beware, for the partnership you are looking for will be nourished and nurtured only on the basis of a love that is not arrogant or prideful, but kind but kind. Um, I want to end with this story. Um, when Pastor Pradeep and I were dating, we were in my living room. This was before my, pa my dad passed away uh, a few years ago. And we were in our living room, and we're just kind of watching TV, and Pastor Pradeep and, and my dad are having this conversation. And I, I kind of was just listening a little bit, paying, in, in, paying attention and nod, and I started noticing that the conversation got a little bit real, a little bit serious. And I hear my dad say this. He says, you know, Pradeep, and you're great, but my daughter... She is something else. And he says to, to Pradeep, and he says, the most unfortunate thing that could happen for my daughter in her life is if she marries you and lives in your shadow for the rest of her life. Because before you ever showed up in her life, she had a call of God in her life. And I believe in it. And she's been following it. And Pradeep is sitting there like, okay, yes, sir, uh-huh. Yeah, I'm not going to mess this up. And I'm like, go, Dad. Man, but I had somebody who knew me and loved me, who was vouching for the person that I would spend the rest of my life with. And I'm so glad that I did. And I love that he put the fear of God into this man. Because he was going to take care of me. He was going to make sure that I fulfilled the call of God on my life. He was going to make sure that I had a good life with security. I didn't have to wonder where, he, where I stood with him. And I believe that that can be the same for you today, too. If you're looking for a relationship, if you're looking to date someone. You know, I'm not as concerned about where you meet someone. It can be online, it can be at church, wherever. I'm not on a hike. I'm not really worried about where. What I am concerned about, what I do believe you need to commit to, is to dating with biblical and godly principles in mind. Amen? So invite Christ. Invite him. Invite clarity. Married couples, some of you don't even know where you stand with each other. You need to have a clarifying conversation and invite the community. Even Pastor Pradeep and I, like I said, this last few years in our marriage, we've invited community. We've invited counselors. We've invited people, pastors who would speak into us. This is so relevant for all of us today. Amen. So I want to pray over you. I want to pray over you. Some of you that may just really be sitting here with a broken heart, with a lot of pain, with a lot of woundedness, with a lot of damage that has happened because of just your dating past. I want to pray for you this morning. So let's pray right now. 
Father, I thank you for your word. Thank you, God, for your inspired scriptures that matter for today. Father, I'm lifting up everyone in this room right now who is coming out maybe of a divorce, who feels brokenhearted, who, who feels used and abused by someone that they were with or dating, even, even the people right now that are in ambiguity in a relationship, a long-term relationship. Father, I'm, I'm praying for your presence. I'm praying, God, that we, as the people of God, we would commit to inviting you into the process, to, to believe that you have better for us. So, Lord, I pray for your healing for broken hearts. I pray, Father, that you would renew our minds. I pray, Father, for the married couple in this room who don't know really where they stand with each other. Father, I'm asking that you would bring your restoration, your forgiveness, your peace, your life. Lord, bring life back to our hearts, back to our marriages, back to our relationships, Father. God, I thank you. I pray that we would, God, be able to date people who would bring clarity, God, who would have good intentions for us and not just selfish intentions. Lord, we love you. And we give this area of our lives to you. And we ask that you be Lord of our lives in every area. We love you so much, Jesus. In your precious name.